Hello and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line by my producer, Hemel Javeri. Hemel, how are you? I'm great, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well, and we've got a bunch of things to talk about. Uh, we've got some questions, and we're going to take them, as, as we often do. But before we go on, I want to first tease, I guess, a little bit of a format change for the podcast. Yeah, big, exciting things are happening with the For the Win podcast, and I would consider this kind of our soft launch for it. I feel like we've been soft launching for <laughs> like the last three months, but um, but so, so basically we're going to switch up. We're going to keep the format fairly similar because right. ultimately it's, it's me and you and, and whoever else talking about sports and whatever, uh, whatever mm-hmm. else comes up. And, and we want to keep that because I like being able to talk about whatever. But we did want to give it a little bit more of a hook. Um, we want to keep open the possibility for interviews like the, the recent one with, with Charles Oakley that made some waves. Uh, so we're going to – I think we're going to focus it sort of around five big questions per episode – uh, that may even be the name we, we come up with as five big <laughs> questions. Uh, just and, and instead of you know, like uh, I got a little bit, uh, it it got a little bit forced trying to come up with like, oh, a list of your favorite things this week. I would rather just frame that as a question, and hopefully that won't become too forced. Uh, and just you know, have five topics for debate, five questions to answer. And if that's an interview, you know, then obviously I'll have fi- follow ups. I don't want to just ask. Charles Oakley like five questions strictly, <laughs> but there will be five larger questions, and then each yeah. will have follow-ups no, within them. No, cut Charles Oakley off right when he wants to break news on the podcast. Sorry, yeah. sorry Charles, we only have time for five. <laughs> um, and I gotta say, and thanks for for everyone who listened to that, and thanks for people who put up with like the obvious fear in my voice throughout. Because like the and like we've talked about this on the show before when I meet people who have been become famous since I've been covering sports. It's just not a mm-hmm. big deal for me. But when it's anybody who I watched on TV when I was a little kid, it is like paralyzing fear. Like the last thing I want is for Charles Oakley to think less of me in any way, you know? And so like, and so like Charles Oakley had no idea who I was before that <laughs> podcast. That's fine. But like the last thing I want is for Charles Oakley's only impression of me to be a negative one. So if you listen closely, I asked him about LeBron James and I guess maybe the way he saw it like I might have been saying like LeBron James was playing with some arrogance LeBron and and mm-hmm. obviously if you you're on this podcast all the time I love LeBron James so then like right. Barkley uh, Oakley defended uh LeBron James a little bit and like I jump in and I'm like no no no, no. I just want you to know I love LeBron James he's the best <laughs> please please don't hate me Charles Oakley <laughs> the thing is is that I listen to this podcast every week and especially at the beginning I never hear you sound nervous uh, but I will admit that you were a little nervous at the beginning. Oh, I was terrified. I was terrified. Uh, I mean, it's, and it's just, oh. I, it was the same. It was the same way. I forget. There was there was an earlier one. Um, oh, with with Tabitha Soren. Tabitha Soren. Yeah. Terrified. Tabitha Soren was famous when I was a kid. I watched her on MTV. I'm terrified. I don't want Tabitha Soren to judge me. She was extremely nice. She didn't. Um, but you know, you just never know. You never know. Um, no, you never know. Um, speaking the of the important- podcast, though. Yes. Uh, uh, what were you gonna say? I was going to say that the important thing is the, that the, the important part of the podcast is not changing, which is that it's still going to be you uh, talking about stuff that you love. Are you calling me the important part of the podcast? <laughs> I we... mean, I'm just teasing, you know, what, what I'm, I'm dangling a little bit of the carrot as to what the, what the name change is going to be. Well, and we have people who have been listening to the podcast and responding to the podcast and tweeting at us about things we say, and, I, and that's always great. But I do want to add that 
if you find time to review it on iTunes, that would be extremely cool. One of our only reviews is from <laughs> Nate, from when <laughs> Nate was high, uh, cast, it was was hosting the show, which I feel like I feel kind of bad about calling him out about, except that he did like nothing to hide it. Like his his screen name is Nathan, and his middle name, which he uses everywhere, so right. it's like very clear that it was Nate. <laughs> commenting reviewing his own podcast and i have way too much pride to do that like i'm never you're never gonna see og ted berg says like oh what a great podcast perhaps in part because i don't really know how to do the reviews on itunes and like maybe if i could have figured that out sooner i would have uh but at now i'm talking about it, i can't do it i also just feel like come on nate i mean nate was doing what he could though uh yeah. maybe yeah, I'll get i get it i get it I get it. I mean, I've look. I've clicked to give ourselves five stars for sure. Yeah. But I just, I'm not going so far as to write a review under my own name. <laughs> You're like, this guy's okay. He could be a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> shut up already. Um, uh, speaking of, what what questions do we have? We have a lot of. We have. Well, we have. We're going to focus on five questions. Five. That's okay. The, that's the idea. Um, um. You picked all five, though, right? I did pick five. Uh, okay. I mean, they were basically the five questions we got. Well, I, I combined two into one, you know, because we got two, two, we'll get to it. We, we got, got two yeah, questions yeah, we got a couple category. Of, yeah. Um, so, but I want to start with one that comes from my man, Devin2012, uh, who was a, a Ted Quarters reader back in the day, a baseball mm-hmm. fan. And you couldn't see the tweet. It was a protected tweet, but it, it asked uh, if I would rather have one Mike Trout or three guys half as good as Mike Trout. Uh, hmm. And I thought about this. I have literally spent like the better part of the last two hours trying to parse this one out. And maybe that's embarrassing. Like maybe it's, it's a more obvious answer than that, but I thought about it a lot. Well, you, why don't you go ahead and answer? Because I'm thinking about the, like, as I do <laughs> thinking about the hockey equivalent of it. So I don't know enough about hockey to say if there even even is a hockey equivalent of it because Mike Trout is so good and so much mm-hmm. better than the next guy. Uh, so uh, bottom line is if you go by wins above replacement, which isn't a mm-hmm. perfect stat, but it's it's about the best stat we have, especially for comparisons like this when you're trying to find a guy's total value to his team across the year. Mike Trout mm-hmm. is so good that a player half as good as Mike Trout is still basically a top 30 player in the league. So almost by definition, like all-star level, right? So right. you're saying, would you rather have Mike Trout or would you have three viable, would you rather have three viable major league all-stars? Um, another, mm-hmm. another way to contextualize this, and I just saw this tweet this morning, uh, Ryan Watt tweeted out that the difference between Trout and the second best guy by wins above replacement since 2012, since Trout's uh, rookie year, mm-hmm. the difference between number one and number two, who is Josh Donaldson, is the same as the difference between number two and number 54, right? So wow. Trout, Trout is just head and shoulders above the Right. Um, but if you look at guys who are about half as good as Mike Trout by wins above replacement, if, you're, if you look at 2016, that means uh, you can say Xander Bogarts, Anthony Rendon, and Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, who are three really, really good players. Um, This year, you could say Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, and Daniel Murphy. Again, three guys who will be on the All-Star team and will deserve to be on the All-Star team. Uh, And so, like, the rational, immediate response, I want to say, is, like, well, you'd go with the three guys because Mm -hmm. you're, you know, just having Trout 
represents putting all of your eggs in that basket. And mm-hmm. if something happens to him, if he regresses, if he gets hurt, um, then you then obviously you'd rather have those other two the two extra guys, right? And and that and I guess uh, the correlation to that would be that Trout's performance is so high that it's basically as good as anybody ever is. So there's not a lot of precedent for guys being better than Mike Trout has been the last mm-hmm. five years. And so maybe you get a guy a half as good as Mike Trout. He has a really good year, and he's a little bit better than that. Uh, but there's there's almost no chance Mike Trout can be way better than he has been, or at least based on precedent. But again, there's not really a ton of precedent for guys this good, so who knows? Um, but what, what, uh, what I wound up coming to... Um, and, and it took me a while, is, is a couple of things. So if you say Trout is about a nine-win player uh, mm-hmm. by wins above replacement, and you're saying you're, you're picking between Trout and three, four-and-a-half-win players, well, so, so if you're saying that the rest of your lineup, if, and, and just for the sake of argument, saying the rest of your lineup is league average, right, then the difference between having Trout and seven league average guys uh, and, and having three half trouts and, and five league average guys is only half a win. And it's half a win for the team with the three guys. So you could say, again, there's a slight advantage to having those three guys. If you're just talking in pure wins or replacement, if you're not worrying about, you know, anything happening to Trout, if you're assuming this level of performance, which isn't fair, but uh, then then the, the, the thing for me that makes me say I'd go with Trout beyond – like sheer appreciation for greatness and how badly I would want to see him play, uh, how much more I'd want to see him play every day than even the excellent players half as good as him. Uh, if you're talking about, once you start talking about contracts and money, Trout, and Trout has signed a, a fairly reasonable team-friendly extension, and so I don't know mm-hmm. if you're talking in this hypothetical about, you know, the contract he's actually signed to or the contracts, you know, you might have to deal with in this scenario where you can choose between him and these three other guys. But Trout has been so good that there's no way he will ever be compensated. Even if even if he opts out of his contract, which he doesn't he could do legally. There's like some weird California law that he could actually get out of a contract if he wanted to. He doesn't have an opt out clause or anything, and I can't imagine he's going to pursue that. But if he opted out of his contract today, there's no way a team would pay him as much money as he would probably deserve because he honestly deserves, if you're going by, you know, the, the traditional cal- – or I guess they're not traditional, but the, the way we calculate, the way we estimate how good a player like him, how much a player like him should get paid, he deserves about $70 million a year. And no player has ever gotten more than 30-something. And even if Trout opted out today, I don't think he'd get more than 40 or $50 million a year, which would be a, a – Shatter that's every... just a yeah that's just an like like those numbers don't even mean it would shatter to me they're so high it would shatter every record it would shatter every record and he would deserve it and it would still probably be underpaid is the crazy part about it just based on how good he is and i think that if you start talking about contracts and you've got to get three guys who are half as good as trout well you're still paying for all stars right and you're still paying the, the salary for those guys i think they're going to fall more within the traditional window of what you're going to what you're trying to pay them and what mm-hmm. they're going to command, whereas Trout right. is so far above and beyond that no one, he's never going to get what he, what, what you know, fair value right. for his production. And so for that re- reason, 
I'd go with Trout because he's a bargain somehow. Right. Even at the $33 million a year he's going to start getting next year. Uh, my question for you, I, I don't really have an opinion on that, obviously because you're the Mike Trout expert, um, is why is he not a bigger star? Like, And I know you have talked about this a little bit and you wrote a whole article on it, but like, he, if he is as good as you say he is, shouldn't he be more famous? Yes. I mean, and he is as good as you you say right like yeah, I, i'm I not mean, disputing he that he's no. great um, but... there's, there's so much to that but uh in short uh it's part of it is just baseball right mm-hmm. because if you go if you go to see lebron james play when lebron james you know lebron james comes to brooklyn i go see lebron james play and i'm gonna see lebron james almost certainly he's gonna score 20 points and he's gonna do a lot of awesome things on the court right, right? because right. the whole game goes through him whereas I might, I'm going to go see Mike Trout tonight uh, at, at, on Friday at City Field, and maybe he goes 0 for 4, and he doesn't get an opportunity to make a great catch in the, in the outfield. That's just kind of mm-hmm. how baseball goes. That's part of it. Part of it is he plays for the Angels. They haven't been good. And right. on top of that, they're a West Coast team. So uh, while an East Coast star, I feel like people on the West Coast would be more likely to see them because they'd be awake when they're playing – I'm the biggest Mike Trout fan in the world, and I'm asleep for half of his at-bats, right? So, so that's a big part of it. Um, and I think the main thing or, or a big, big thing for baseball is to, if you look at the guys who do sort of transcend and become those megastars, beyond even the personality aspect of it, because people will knock Trout's personality and say, well, he's not interesting enough. Guess what? Derek Jeter wasn't a very interesting guy ever, right? Like, Derek Jeter has never said anything interesting or controversial, and he was the most famous baseball guy. Um, But Derek Jeter had four early career postseason showcases and World Series wins, and I think that, you know, the national attention that comes with a deep postseason run is what tends to make guys really famous baseball players. And if you look at the, mm-hmm. the famous dudes like like uh, like A-Rod, like Jeter, like David Ortiz, Yadier Molina, like all, all of Albert Pujols, you, you think, I mean, they're all great players, but on top of that, uh, all also guys who had a bunch of different times to show off or to fail, you know, if that was going to get them attention in the postseason. Trout's played one postseason in a series in his career, so, uh, you know, I, I just don't think he's – I think it's unfortunate because I don't know that the Angels are going to get there anytime soon. They've been playing pretty well lately. But mm-hmm. I think for Trout to really become mega famous, it will take either the Angels getting good or him going elsewhere. So this sounds actually like – I mean, it's not Alex Ovechkin because he's made it to the playoffs. But he is he in danger of being the best player that never wins a World Series? Um. Maybe, uh, you know, it's, 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 he's a long way off there. There are so many, it's, it's so hard in baseball. Yeah. Like, so Ted Williams is the best player who's never won a world series. I think off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Um, uh, but there've been a, a bunch of great players. Ernie Banks famously was on the Cubs. So obviously he never won. Uh, so I would say like in terms of peak performance, he's the best player, right? So like, yeah, but he's got like 10 or 15 years of doing this and not winning a world series to become that guy. All right, cool. Um, So Um, so not there yet. Not there yet. Uh, I think I asked a bunch of questions, so I blew up the (laughs) five questions format. Um, That's fine. It was one big question. One big question. A bunch of little questions. Yeah. Uh, So, okay, so now here's where I combined two. Because they were both pertained to uh, Chris Cornell, the, the late Soundgarden and audio slave singer who died this week. 
Um, and I, we've spoken about this before. I, I tend to avoid the typical internet, like overwhelming sadness. And actually, actually, the first question I think you pertains to the, the first question was two parter. It was from mm-hmm. Omniality, and he said, what, "What other things are you guys gonna rant about on Twitter in Twitter <laughs> uh, in 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 tweet tweet streams?" And then also he asked us to rate Chris Cornell's Billie Jean. But one thing you ranted about on Twitter recently was sort of defenses and uh, whitewashings of Roger Ailes in in his death. And I do think that it's our tendency just across humanity to be like someone died and then you all of a sudden they're an angel and you can't say anything bad about them. Yeah, and I definitely agree to a certain – well – I, it's not that you want to be respectful of the dead, but what tends to happen is exactly what you said, is that everybody certainly all of a sudden forgets that while this person was alive was kind of a raging monster, well, right? Yeah, I mean, and, like in Al's case, right, there were like five women came out and said he sexually harassed me. He created this culture where of like decades long yeah. sexual harassment and like one said it was like psychological slavery or something like just really messed up things right and like you yeah. can't just because a guy dies doesn't undo all of that trauma and whatever else he might have caused over over his life but uh, I'm I'm sort of on the fence too like I I personally um and this probably way beyond the scope of this podcast <laughs> I thought it was so weird when Osama bin Laden died and people went out and celebrated in the streets. Like, I just yeah. feel like that. It's just, and like, I get that, why that happened. And I get that that's right. the thing that probably had to happen, right? Like, that is, if you if you weren't going to take him and put him in an American prison, which would probably be a worse torture than just dying, uh, fine, fine. This guy committed an act of war. He knew what he was getting. Like, great, great, do it. You know, like, do it by all means. But, I, but right. then it's the celebrating to me that's weird. Just, it's an ugly thing. The whole thing's ugly. Exactly. Well, that's I mean, that's super different, though. Right. Because and I'm not saying that you should celebrate that somebody died, but especially and if you are a close like if you were related to Roger Ailes and you wanted to view him or were a close friend and wanted to view him as a complicated person that you somehow still loved or whatever, that's on you. That's fine. But really gets me is media publications, right, that have huge reach, huge voice will try to backpedal. Which ones are you what, referring to? I, you know what? You can go out and read Google those headlines and you will figure out which ones they are. Um, but w- w- have a way of downplaying accusations, right? And Deadspin's article was, I'm sorry that Roger Ailes ever lived. And I'm not going to lie. That to me is pretty much how I feel. Like, yeah, th- there's, I mean, I'm sorry that he's dead, but guess what? Everybody dies. And uh, it's going to happen to all of us. And when you pass away, what your legacy is, is going to become crystal clear. And the way obituaries usually are structured, right, is that people talk about your accomplishments at top. And then they talk about all the crappy stuff you did all the way at the bottom where nobody's going to read. And that's considered like the traditional way of showing respect or whatever. But in this case, he passed away so close to... um, everything that came out like like it was just like he almost got away with it right like all of this could have come out after he died but it came out while he was still alive and to not put that all together is really really frustrating especially if you're a woman especially if you're a woman of color 
to to be like, well, great, here's another white guy who where history is going to gloss over all the terrible, terrible stuff that he did. And to see newspapers like actively taking part in this is hugely frustrating. And I can understand that a lot of people refrain from going on tweet storms about about different things. I think if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I generally don't. Um, there's generally because I think that, you know, as a woman and I hate to say as a woman, but it's kind of like if you don't say something like you've got to add your voice to that chorus of like no this isn't right like the guy was a perv like the guy really did a lot of messed up stuff and i don't think he left america better than um after he died which which should be said and it should be really clear well as a straight white man (laughs) i look forward to history completely overlooking all of the messed up things I do in my life. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm, I'm not sure what kind of messed up things you've done, but uh, oh, they'll be they at the are, top yeah. of I mean, your obituary. Yeah. Yeah. You could, I don't want to yeah. start that list. That would be a dark podcast. Uh, and, and we're going to, and the thing is that this is going to come up, right? Like you're going to, everyone's going to have a really tough time writing about Bill Cosby when he passes away. Uh, that is a, that is a really good point. Uh, yeah. Bill Cosby, so, like most complicated like you know, it's just a, I mean, not really all that complicated as it turns out. It doesn't seem that. Yeah. Way. But like, man, that was a that was a no one saw that one coming, right? Like, yeah, like nobody, a, right? So it's and and I agree, it's complicated to deal with. Be like, well, he's dead. So what's the point of like? Well, he's not dead. On? He's not dead yet. Well, he's no, not... I don't mean Bill Cosby. I mean like in general when you when you talk about this stuff, so, right? So, like, yeah, but that's all. That's all. We didn't even get to the question here. Which yeah, is, sorry. This is all a really long lead in to me saying like I want to be able to tell you about Chris Cornell and talk about Chris Cornell and do it in an honest fashion and say like. I don't know this guy. For all I know, he was a bad dude. Like, I, I happen to like a whole lot of his music. I happen to love some of his music. Um, I'm not like a – I'm not a person who goes nuts over – like, there's almost no one whose entire body of work I, like, love and I, mm-hmm. and I cherish. But, like, there are certain – so, like, sound so – the early Soundgarden albums are, like, peak Soundgarden albums. And, and especially – uh, the Temple of the Dog album mm-hmm. were like so 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 important to me when I was probably like twenty one to twenty five. Uh, especially the Temple of the Dog album is is a, an album about uh, him losing his friend. My brother died right around the time I discovered that, and it was like this like spoke to me. It was like a really, right. So like I, I and like I feel I hate the instinct on the internet to be like no, I am the saddest that this person yes. died. We we yeah. talked about this. Like I don't know this person. I'm not right. like. Am I sad? And am I going to stay up at night? Be, and like I said, I hate to sound heartless, heartless, but like no. Like Chris Cornell made a bunch of music that means a lot to me. I, I didn't know him. We weren't going to hang out tomorrow, so <laughs> I'm not going to. Like I, I'm sorry to say, like I I'm not going to. It sounds harsh, but it's not like I'm going to like miss the guy's presence in my life. Um, oh, well- and I will say that, but that's because you and I kind of have gone through, like, real grief, right? I don't want to minimize anybody else's grief, Everybody, but, like, we've been yeah. there. Well, like, we have, have actually been there. So it's a little different. Well, and, like, and everybody, if you haven't, you're going to soon. Yeah. So that's yeah. the thing. So you'll find out why you shouldn't be all that sad <laughs> about celebrities dying. But uh, I, I, and so I was prepared because this is the question was, rate Chris Cornell's Billy Jean and to me, that sounds a little bit gimmicky when I hear it on Face. I've heard it before, but I never really paid attention to it. Uh, so I went back and listened to that, and I gotta say, it's good. He's, Is it good? It's good. He, you know, I've I, never actually heard it. I have a lot of opinions about being like acoustic guitar cover guy because I've I've done that. Like I've done my share of silly covers on the or or like sort of quasi ironic covers on the acoustic guitar, 
and mm-hmm. you know things that like well it's funny if i play uh uh what's a what's the madonna song uh mm, like a prayer i don't know like a prayer if i play okay. like a prayer on the acoustic guitar and i have that's a funny thing right that's a, that's like oh right. it's, this this there's a dude he's singing madonna it's mm-hmm. a good song like it's got a nice melody but it's a gimmick that's when you do that that's a that's sort of gimmicky um what's cool about chris cornell's covers is that there's not like a touch of irony to them like he is he is playing billy jean with like all like passion that i'm not even sure is there on the michael jackson version of it right like he goes he goes head over heels into it he's also i would say uh like a probably an underrated guitar player he's really good at accompanying himself he's really good at at incorporating like dynamics into an acoustic cover which is another thing i think a lot of people lose is they feel like they need to play the whole song and then it just gets boring whereas he can make it so you know he's building and he's taken away with the guitar and it adds a a, a level of dynamics that that uh, makes it good um but most more than anything and i think why chris cornell could pull off just about any cover because i fell down i went up falling down the the youtube rabbit hole and then i was watching him cover redemption song which is like the most cliched song for a guy with an acoustic guitar to play (laughs) and it's beautiful it's beautiful because he has just for my money like if you were like oh okay if you're starting a rock and roll super group and you need a vocalist that's the guy for me because yeah. he just had like a gift. He just has that voice. So. And like the type of voice that's so good that I feel like if he were born in 1918, he'd be a famous jazz singer. And if he were born in 1940, he'd be like a famous early rock guy. Like he just, he just had a beautiful voice. I will say, so Chris Cornell is, um, he's that pantheon of, you know, the Seattle sound or whatever, which is that I was never a huge Soundgarden fan. And, uh, I feel bad that Chris Cornell passed away. But the thing that bothered, I mean, not bothered me, but the thing that really when is the way he died, right? I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, he, it, it looks like he committed suicide in a hotel room. And that part I feel like empathy towards. But I will admit that I'm not a huge Soundgarden fan at all. I've heard what's on the radio. Um, I have heard his cover. I haven't heard the Billie Jean cover, which I may go on the YouTube rabbit hole later today. Um, but... It is uh, they the cover they've been playing on the radio is uh, nothing compares to you, mm-hmm. which very much is you know what I mean. It's an irony free cover of a you know like a tortured song anyway, and he's very very good with that. Um, there is a yeah. version there. He does a version of of all songs. I will always love you, the, which is oh. like literally the cheesiest song of all time, and it's incredible. He sounds incredible. Like and again, he is not kidding. No, yeah, he's not kidding. And the thing is that I think there must have been a spate where people. So I will always love you by Whitney Houston, right? Or Dolly Parton. Yeah, but I will. I only know the. Well, Whitney, I guess it, it might be by Dolly Parton, but I. It, only yeah, know the, I think she's the like, original. My but, seventh grade dance. I will always love you. You know, yeah. like that was the song. Yeah. So it uh, Evan Dando, also part of that that Seattle grunge scene or whatever, does a great cover of Whitney Houston's "How Will I Know," and it's the same. Um, it's the same thing where you think it's kind of a cheesy cop out, but to hear a male vocalist 
like saying such like emotional vulnerable lyrics it could go you know what I mean like it could go, it could totally go sideways but they have to commit 100% and I think Evan Dando also like commits to like every single lyric um and it's surprisingly touching that is so. a really good cover that you you yeah. hit me to like four years ago now like you I don't know what came up in oh did in, like, it yeah it came up in like yeah. our work chat room and you were like I love this guy and I listened to it, it was like yeah she's right this is real dope like that has that has since been covered on the acoustic guitar by me, and it's like it's not the Whitney Houston. It's not a it's not a cover of a Whitney Houston song. It's me covering some other guy's acoustic cover of of that song. Uh, but I got Which a question, and uh, okay, yeah. we've already spent like twenty five minutes on two questions, and we were trying to keep it short. That was the whole point. Um, last question about this subject, just in terms okay. of of covers, because this is something I like, and and it's something I feel like that. Evan Dando gets wrong in that song Mm -hmm. when if you are a straight guy singing a song written by a straight woman should you change the pronouns or not oh oh okay so this also comes up with I'm gonna say no this is a karaoke thing is a karaoke thing big time oh is it really well just like if I'm singing so like if I'm singing Midnight Train to Georgia right Right. it would like am I gonna say I'm not gonna say LA proved too much for the woman that's not the song (laughs) Right? That's right. not the song. So to me, it's like you keep it how it was. And like if people, what? People yeah. are going to, can't handle that I'm singing a love song. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. I, I completely agree. I think that you should keep the pronouns as they originally are. Ryan Adams did this too when he covered like Taylor Swift's like album. He kept changing all the he's to she's. And that is my one caveat with it where that annoys the crap out of me it's like i get yeah. it i get it like because i i could see it both ways because it's like well i want it to be true and passionate and i'm gonna feel mm. that way about a woman but like i don't know like if i sing if i sing me and bobby mcgee i'm not concerned <laughs> that anyone right. thinks i'm legitimately in love with some guy named bobby mcgee like this is not a I'm, I don't know. I'm over that. Roberta McGee. Right, I, I like can't it. wait for the Ted Covers album. It's never going to come. It's never going to come. I think that I have resigned to not performing music in front of people anymore. Like, I don't think that's going to be something I do for probably we'll the rest of my life. So it's sad to say because it was a big part of my life for a long time. And, like, I just suck now. And, like, I was too good. I used to be too good at it. Not that I was ever great, but just I was so I used to be so much better that now it's like I know I suck, so I can't because you if you're not practicing constantly, you just lose it, or it's just Ugh. not the same. And jeez, so, now you're making me sad. I can hear how much I suck. And God, I just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports the For the Win podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com FTW. That's quickenloans.com FTW. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Uh, this is a straightforward one, and you, you've got a take on this. 
Um, I haven't taken I a hate, lot of things. I hate haters. And he wants to know, and, and this is a, a question he's asking specifically about the Mets, but I think it works for mm-hmm. fans of all sports. But you've got your experiences with Mets fans. He wants to know what's worse, the Mets or Mets fans? A hundred percent. The Mets are worse than Mets fans. I would say most of the time I would disagree with you, but right now I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have, I was, I mean, my history with the Mets is, it's not a super complicated history. And if we were say talking about like, what is it? 2001 team, I would a hundred percent say that the Mets are way better than Mets fans because that team for me is like, like, I've, you know, frozen in amber and I will always think of them as the greatest people ever. Um, for, but if we're talking about right now, I will say Met fans are great just because every time I've gone, I haven't had really any terrible experiences with Met fans. Uh, have you, I, I imagine you've had lots. Um, I believe um, what, what our man here is referring to is just like the general. So there's like this woe is me and DC sports yeah. fans have it even worse than Mets fans, I think. Yeah. But there's this sense that's like, why does this always happen to the Mets? And mm. usually I find myself on the other side of that. Like, Hey, by the way, just so you know, this stuff does kind of happen to all teams. And in many right. cases that that's the case. And in many cases it is that we are like, doing confirmation bias and we kind of have a mm-hmm. magnifying glass on the Mets and we're saying like, why would the Mets do this? And it's like, well, every team would do this. But in recent, recent weeks, the Mets, recent have, weeks. The Mets have both uh, let Matt Harvey start on zero notice when he said he wasn't physically prepared to do so. And then let Noah Syndergaard start three days after he said he couldn't lift his arm above his head. So right. those are smoking gun, horrible decisions that I can say confidently because a lot of times I can say, like, well, we don't really know. We don't know all the things that go into the decision. We don't know what the players No, are. no, no. In those cases, no, don't do that. Just don't yeah. do that. You know, and like and I can even say that, like following Mike Trout so closely has helped me see a different way because Mike Trout recently got hurt and he had a hamstring pull. And every day it was like Mike Trout says he can play, but the Angels say not yet. And it, it lasted five days. And I was like, oh, man, are the Angels messing with Mike Trout here? But as it turned out, after he sat out for five days, Mike Trout came back. And then he hit home runs in four straight games because he's Mike Trout. And because those five days were apparently the time he needed to get healthy. And now it doesn't seem like it's an issue anymore. The Mets, it's like they always push guys. They always, always, always just take the player's word for it and put him back in the lineup before he's ready. And then they always pay for it down the road. And I agree with that. I think that recently the Mets are way worse than actual Mets fans. Like right now, Mets fans, we have reason to be like, well, I, I don't say it's exaggeration or confirmation bias at this point. Like it's been a very, um, frustrating start to the season. So right now the Mets are way worse. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same page. Let's move on. We're on on the same page. Yeah. Um, All right. This one comes from uh, Charles, our man Charles Charles. Curtis. He wants to know – I haven't thought about this at all, but he wants to know one thing that isn't a sport that you wish were a sport. And he suggests water slides, which (laughs) I hear, but I feel – could you imagine – like he said, like he wishes there was like a luge-style – water slide and all i can think about is like if you were going loose speeds on a water slide for that long the wedgie you would get from the end of that would be like no there's no gold medal in the you're yeah <laughs> like i mean you you we'd have to have better uh better equipped or 
better uniforms than just like swimsuits or swim trunks or whatever because I guess you so. get like crazy thigh burns. Yeah. No, I the water slide thing freaks me out because there was a story last year where some dude was going down a really steep water slide and he like flew off like just because he was swishing around so much like he just flew right off the damn thing. I'm gonna blame um, that guy. I'm sorry. I all due respect <laughs> to his family. I hope they're not listening. <laughs> I'm going to blame that guy. There's a, if, like, a 1,500 people went down the water slide and didn't fall off, and then you did, you did something wrong. Yeah, I think he was deliberately trying to like, do twisty turnies. Let's see if I can yeah. This is a good idea. <laughs> that poor guy. Um, I don't know if he's okay, but I hope he is. Um, uh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about this. But this all still goes back to, like, what you define as a sport. Mm-hmm. So... We what do we say that it's got to be objective parameters, right? So water slide, it's still pretty. I mean, unless you're seeing like who can go down the fastest. I think you are. I think you're seeing who. Can go oh, down are the you? Fastest. Yeah. And this is not a sport that I would compete in, but I still can't believe surfing isn't in the Olympics. Like I feel like that's actually one of the things that would do pretty well. But I would say that that's already um, a sport. Well, it's our oh, I guess yeah. I guess it are. I mean, it's definitely a sport. I guess it's just not an Olympic sport. Um, um, I keep mentioning my speed golf idea where it's like a mix of golf and golf cart demolition derby. I mm-hmm. think that's a great sport. I would play that sport. I would like it so much more than golf, and I want to play Luke in it. <laughs> yeah, you just want to beat Luke or something. I just want to uh, crash yeah. into Luke's golf cart with my golf cart. I don't really know. I'm not good with, like, frivolous sports things. I'm like, I don't know, sitting and reading a book? That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> that's not a good sport. It's not a great sport to watch. No, I'm pretty it, sure would, people will get tired of it. At this point in my life, I would be so bad at it. Like, I get to, like, I read every night before I go to bed, and I get, now Now it's like, I read, like, three pages, and then I fall asleep. Uh, I read pretty, I mean, I read regularly, but we, it's gotten a lot worse now, because we can watch, like, I can watch Netflix on my phone or my computer, because initially first it was no tvs and bedrooms rule so that i would be forced to read and i'm like oh i could read three pages or i could watch like 22 minutes of a netflix show that was your parents had that rule no i made that rule like yeah yeah, that is like just because i could already tell that i would just be on my computer all day um no i think that sadly it's yeah, sadly, there. I mean, I try to be good about it, but again, I'd be like you. I read, like, a page and a half, and I'm out. So, like, my brother growing up was allowed to have a TV in his room, and I wasn't. <laughs> oh. And, and it was because I read a lot, and I think my parents wanted me, wanted to foster that, you know? And, like, right. I get it in retrospect, and, like, it made me mad when I was in, like, sixth and seventh grade. Of he course. Also, he was also way older, so that also made sense, too, but it was like, right. I want a TV in my room. Of but course. But now, in retrospect... I'm a professional writer. Like, it's probably good I was reading every night. And I would say, like, now I don't want a TV in my room. Do you have a TV in your room? No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, I think that now I'm really glad I don't have a TV in my room because I would leave it on all the time. Even, you know what I mean? And it's, it's just so hard. For you. It's bad for, it's bad like, for I'm you. It's bad for you. I'm a bad sleeper, yeah. so it would be bad. Like, I need to not be, especially, like, news. Like, I can't watch the news before oh. I go to bed. I just don't sleep. I well, that's my problem now is that I've gotten to the habit of like I'll scroll Twitter instead of reading, and that just like yeah, it's a bad idea. It just makes me so stressed out that I can't sleep well. No, so. I need like a solid hour between when I'm last on Twitter and when I'm actually going to bed. You know, anything oh, like that. You need an hour. My God, like the world can implode in that hour. Yeah, no, I just need <laughs> I need that wind down time. I need to divorce myself from reality somehow. That's why I read. I read yeah. because I read novels and then I'm in that world and that's how I go to sleep. 
fun. I can't go to sleep in this world. It's terrible. My it, it that's very true. I will say my sister is a very fast reader, um, and she'll just like plow through books, and I'm a very very slow reader. So it, it that's also really frustrating for me is that she'll like finish three books and I'll still be on, you know, halfway through one. Um, and that is just really discouraging. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch. Oh, oops. I cursed. Um, it happens. Charles Oakley did too. So you're clear. <laughs> I'm good. Um, so yeah. And I'm like, F it. I'll just watch, you know, I've been meaning to watch master of none. So maybe uh, that's what it definitely watch yeah. master of none. Have you, I don't know. Have you seen the, first I haven't one? even seen it. No, I haven't even seen the first one. You could just skip the first season. Well, no, the really? First, the first season's good. First season's really good. The second season is like actual art. Like it's so good. Everyone, well, I don't want to skip the first season because well, I want to. You kind of you need the first season for context. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's this like, but what? So what happened to me? And and like my wife still hasn't caught up because we watched the first episode. And I was like, ah, this is all right. And mm-hmm. you know, like I think he's funny as he's in sorry. Like so, we was like, ah, this is kind of his shtick. This is kind of funny. And then like we let it drop. And then like one day I was bored and I started mm-hmm. watching the second episode. And then the first season gets way better after the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But then it's the second season. It hits its stride. And it's like – it's like a uh, – um, I heard someone describe it, and I wish I could take credit for this, as like a Woody Allen movie for people who would never, ever be in Woody Allen movies. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, like, it's like that. Like it has like a, a, a filmic quality. Like he, he even has uh, La Aventura in it, which is a, an Antonioni film. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I took this, I hate that movie so much. I gotta be honest. Um, I took a Italian neorealist cinema class in grad school and it was like, did you, did this. you watch the bicycle thief? Oh yeah. Like, and talk about <laughs> stuff that puts me asleep. Those things. It was like unbelievable. Like I could, I could drink four cups of coffee at, at 9am after sleeping eight hours and put on one of those movies and like seven minutes in, I'd be asleep. It was just like, there's just nothing about that. I like movies where stuff explodes, but I will say second season of Master of None, kind of like those movies, but better. Okay, so so my question, I know we're way over our time limit, but very important question. Should I try to read tonight, or should I try to watch Master of None? Um, probably watch <laughs> Master of None. Probably watch Master of None. Uh, Done. I want more people to have seen the second season of it that okay. I can talk about with it, because it's so good. Right. Okay, um, like okay. I just... And it was the type of thing the second like the first season I, I watched at a casual pace. Like, Jeez, how it it was it hasn't even been out that long. Did I you just watched, mainline it? I yes. I didn't mean uh. to. I didn't mean to. I just couldn't it becomes like you just I just fell into it and it was like I can't do anything else until this is done. Yeah. Um, I well I'm so that's my not, problem too. Yeah, and it's is that not I'm not like the that. type of stuff I normally go for. Like it was like yeah. it was like pure romance, really. And like I just I was just in it. Really? Because that's my problem is that I've never gotten started on it because I really hate the love life romance thing. Um, it's just not a narrative that appeals to me. Uh, it, but yeah, that's my problem. And is... that's like the classic, you know, there's like that classic sitcom trope of like, will, will they or won't they? Right. Right. And like that is kind of the guiding force between behind the second season. But it's mm-hmm. just done in a much better way than most mm-hmm. of the time. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it, you feel it. Like, you, it's like, that, 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 that made me feel some stuff. That was for real. <laughs> that was, that, that's not normal for me. All right. Uh, all right. I'll watch Master of None so we can talk about it next all right. week. So we have right. no answers for Charles. Uh, None. Sorry, are, bud. Water slides was a good idea, Charles. So, I mean, that's, that's basically it. Most things are sports, right? Like, because, like, if you say, like, oh, well, what about wiffle ball? There's totally dudes playing professional, quote, unquote, yeah. wiffle ball. Um, 
So one of my one of my jobs before sports reporting was I was a lobbyist and we lobbied for men's softball to be an Olympic sport. So everything is a men's sport. softball is fun. Guys hit like monster homers in men's, yeah. men's softball. <laughs> um, I happen to hate it. I suck at softball. But uh, well, uh, add it to the list of things you're not good at. Um, <clears throat> it's a short list, but that's one of them. Uh, Playing music, right. men's softball. Well, no, I'm I'm. Uh, I don't even know which I'm better All at right. this point. It's bad. I could say I'm better okay. at both of those things that I am at basketball. But uh, yeah, yeah, but I, you beat those Asian kids. You beat those Chinese kids. Yeah, but that's that's part of the point. <laughs> um, they All were right. even worse. Uh, anyway, uh, okay. Last question, and again, uh, one I haven't really thought through, but uh, except that this is my life is thinking through stuff like this. What's a ballpark? This is from Brian needs a nap at Brian needs a nap on Twitter. He wants to know what's a ballpark innovation that all teams should adopt, whether that's a food, a promotion, a physical attribute or anything. Oh God, that's a really good question. A really um, good question to try to tackle when we're like racing against the clock. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I feel like things are so standardized though, right? Is there any particular thing that one ballpark has that, uh, I can think of a few. Um, okay, well, you go. So uh, the Trenton. You've seen a lot more ballparks. The than Trenton I have. Thunder, a minor league team, uh, employs a bat dog and has a dog <laughs> bring the bats back and forth to the players somehow. I don't know how they've trained it to do that, but that's a good idea, right? Like, just have a dog on the field, let them bring the bats yeah. around, and like it's like it fetches the bats. I guess I, I don't really. I haven't seen it in action. But I would say bat dog is something I can get down with. Like I would like it would be nice to see like baseball players celebrating the dugout and then there's just like a dog in there that they're all petting too. Right? I feel like if you're a baseball player I think that's cute, yeah. And like you know what? Like having just like almost for th- support. Like you ever see like those shots of like pitchers just let up like a big late game home run and now he comes out of the game and he's sitting on the bench and he's stewing alone like I just want a dog there. Like why can't there be a dog there for him to hug and pet and not feel so bad? Right? No, that doesn't hurt anybody. That's not hurting anybody. I like that. Um, I like big ridiculous home run displays like the thing at I know the thing at Marlins Park everybody thinks is the ugliest thing in the world. I love it. I want something every bit as garish and stupid as that in every center field. Right, home runs are awesome. I want them to uh, Yeah. Be. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. And then third thing, and this is uh, pertaining to something I'm sort of working on writing or, or at least have backburnered, but want to write. Uh, I feel like, and this I guess it goes beyond ballparks, I feel like the egg roll is a really underutilized food delivery system. <laughs> And we need more stuff in egg rolls, right? Cause, it's like, just it, like a burrito. It's just like a smaller burrito. Well, it's fried. It's fried. Mm. Um, I mean, so I worry you, about your arteries. Have you ever had a not? You've you've had an egg roll, I assume. Yeah, we egg, yeah. There's just like a veggie spring roll, but yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So have but but I assume you haven't had like a Philly cheesesteak egg roll. Uh, no. Obviously. Um, Obviously. They're really good. Have you ever had a pizza egg roll? I haven't had anything in egg roll form that isn't like a spring roll that my sister made at our house. We generally, I generally don't eat egg rolls outside because I don't know what they've been fried in or what's inside them. Even if people are like, yeah, it's vegetarian. A lot of times I'll bite into it and there'll be chicken because a lot of people don't think chicken is meat. People don't think chicken is meat. You would be so surprised at how many times I've been like, is this vegetarian? And they'll say, yeah, it just has chicken. It'll it'll be like, yeah, it's just got chicken. Like they just, the chicken is just not a meat. (laughs) 
That is, you gotta, you gotta find new friends. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, not my friends. Who are you but hanging like out with? That thinks chicken is not meat. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but you know what? But, but my point was, you know whose fault it is that you haven't had egg rolls with anything other than egg roll stuff inside. Yes, that's on society. That's on. I was gonna say ballparks need to fry more stuff need to in be little wonton wrappers. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Like there was a deli near my house growing up that had pizza <clears> egg rolls. Pizza egg rolls are incredible. They are the best snack. They're like Totino's pizza rolls are basically the same idea. Those Which are I've great. never had. Oh, you're killing me. I oh, know, I know. Totino's pizza rolls are full of I, I don't know, because they generally have, like, don't they have pepperoni in them? You can get them with cheese variety. I'm sure they have. They do have them. I, yeah, I don't course. know. Also, I'm I mean, not, I'm I said an I, adult. I'm sure, they so. have, I'm, said I'm sure they have them with pepperoni, as if I'm not, like, fully aware <laughs> of the entire varieties of Totino's pizza rolls that exist. Yes, they have them with pepperoni. Uh, they also have okay. them with cheese. Oh, wait. The dog came out. Hang on. Um, Is that your... You don't have a dog. I don't have a dog. The neighbor's uh, dog. All right. That's all right. Um, well, um, well so, the, so wait. One thing I want to add is for, for that last question, what I think that they should do for... That they have at MLB stadiums um, that I think they should adopt to NHL games is that... You know how... Uh, Players have a walk-up song, right? They get mm-hmm. to they get to choose their own music, and it's awesome. I think that you should have uh, personalized goal songs instead of just like the one goal song that they play after the team scores. There should be like, all right, well, if PK Subban scores, then they play whatever song PK Subban wants to that play. That is an awesome idea. I think that would be such a great idea because this is my pet peeve: is that the Nashville Predators have the worst Tim McGraw song ever as their goal song and it drives me crazy because but, like you could pick so many different better songs but do you feel like you'd get a lot of like russian pop jams then <laughs> right? like, maybe maybe but you know that's why that gives it personality i mean some of the dominican guys in baseball have like the best songs they're like i don't know what song it is but it's like this is a complete banger like i you know i could yeah um, it, so, it definitely would mix it up a little bit yeah for sure yeah um, for sure Another on that token, and before we go, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. Uh, so the last one on that token, uh, in Japanese baseball games, they chant for the player. They have like every player has their own individualized chant, and mm. they do it like throughout the players at bat. Whenever this guy gets up, they just everybody sings his song for like the whole at bat, and it's so fun. And that's I that awesome people, like i don't understand why mets fans when Yohannes cespedes comes up yeah singing about Yohannes cespedes for the whole time <laughs> he's at bat i think that's amazing and i would totally be down for that it's way better than doing the wave with that uh <laughs> we should end uh, we Hamel, should. thank you for joining us you can check out the for the win podcast on itunes on stitcher on soundcloud uh hopefully on more distribution formats to come uh possibly with some new graphics and a new name coming soon uh, but for now, re- please rate us, review us, subscribe, do all of those good things. We appreciate you listening. Hemel, thank you so much, as always. Thanks for having me, Ted.